Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. This is Dr. Kathleen Kavorik, and we are here this morning fanning the flames of the Holy Spirit at beautiful Terra Sancta Retreat Center in Rapid City in the beautiful Black Hills. And it truly is an amazing day today. And I have with me today Father Ed Witt, who I will introduce in just a moment. But I wanted to tell you just a little bit about what what's up for today. Um, we are going to be talking about upper room experiences since we're kind of in that time of waiting before Pentecost. And Father Ed is, uh, because he's a Jesuit, he's actually uh, an expert on all things Ignatian. And he's, he's rolling his eyes at me here <laughs> as I say that. And um, we're, we're going to talk about a particular prayer form of the spiritual exercises. We're going to get into that as a bit of an upper room experience. But as we begin today, I would like to start with a prayer to the Holy Spirit for all you listeners out there. Uh, Join me as we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, replace the tension within us with a holy relaxation. Replace the turbulence within us with a sacred calm. Replace the anxiety within us with a quiet confidence. Replace the fear within us with a strong faith. Replace the bitterness within us with the sweetness of grace. Replace the darkness within us with your gentle light. Replace the coldness within us with a loving warmth. Replace the night in us with your light. Replace the winter within us with your spring. Straighten our crookedness. Mend our brokenness. Fill our emptiness. Dull the edge of our pride. Sharpen the edge of our humility. Light the fires of our love. Quench the fires of our lust. Let us see ourselves as you see us, that we may see you as you have promised us. It is you who calls us to this day and to your work. It is you who invites us to be your hands and your lips. As we reflect upon your word, make us joyful messengers of your goodness and help us model ourselves so that our lives will convince others that true Christian joy is the result of giving ourselves into your hands so that we might serve others. And I'm here in a new room today, which is actually called the Cana Room. So my prayer is also that the Lord would turn just the water of our words into his best wine for all of you listeners this morning. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Father Ed Witt, who is the pastor here in Rapid City, up at St. Isaac Jogues. And I have to tell you all, I love going up there for daily Mass, though I don't get there as often as I would like, because Father Ed gives just amazing sermons. So I'm glad you have the chance to, uh, to meet him this morning, if you haven't already met him. So Father Ed, would you give us just a little 
a little sampler about who you are. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, by the way, I love that prayer that you began with. And uh, I'll give you a so copy. We, I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Yeah. As Kathy said, I'm the pastor at St. Isaac Jogues. I've been there for oh, going on, uh, what is it now, eight years. And prior to that, I was uh, 13 years on the Rosebud Reservation, St. Francis Mission, where I had a number of parishes and in Mission, uh, South Dakota, White River, and Oak Creek, and a little community called Wood, which I loved. A small community, but very faithful group. And um, so that was my really my first, well, I shouldn't say my first, I had in my training, I had been down in Kyle and in Pine Ridge at Sacred Heart, so I got a taste of Native ministry. And when they asked me uh, to leave Marquette High in Milwaukee, which I loved, uh, I was ready to go. And uh, I've been out here ever ever since. So I really love the Native ministry, and uh, and I like the mix of people as well. It's not there's Native and non-Native in my parish, so. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a wonderful mix of people. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just the right size. You get to know people and uh, with what their struggles and hopes and fears and all that are. So, yeah, uh, Father, what was your journey to the priesthood? If you tell us a little oh, bit about yeah. your background, I'd be glad there. to I'm glad to do that. It's a long story, but I'll try to <laughs> make it brief. Uh, my first exposure to the Jesuits was in high school. I went to Campion Jesuit High School, Prairie du Chien. Uh, which is now a, I understand, a minimum security prison. So it's what goes around comes around, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> they ran a tight ship there. But that's where I met the Jesuits. And I almost entered the Jesuits um, uh, out of high school, but I got cold feet. And my sister, who I respected very much, her opinion was against it, didn't feel that it was uh, the right thing for me to do. So one thing led to, then I went down to went to uh, DePaul University in Chicago. Uh, eventually got a master's degree there in history, and uh, the real key part was uh, when I went to Creighton Prep in Omaha as a lay volunteer. I lived in the uh-huh. Jesuit community, what they call a doné. So I was close to there, close to I was there for about close to three years. And this idea of becoming a Jesuit would kind of come and go, you know. It was sort of like Samuel, the call yes. of Samuel, at least two, three times. And uh, so, but I, I lived in the Jesuit community, and I got to see the Jesuits, kind of the Reformed Jesuits, realizing that they their first names weren't father, but they had actual first names like normal human beings. And they didn't wear cassocks, and uh, it was just a different... Uh, so I, I liked what I saw and decided in 1981 to join the uh, order. Wonderful. We're we're certainly grateful to have you here, Father Ed, in well, our you. area. Thank you very so much. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, we're going to start in um, talking about the upper room experience, and we'd actually like today to have you enter in with your imagination. That is a real Ignatian sort of thing uh, to use to use our God-given imaginations and our refined imaginations. So. Um, Join us, if you would, and enter into that upper room experience and 
Try to imagine what that must have been like for the disciples and for Mary, who was there with them also. I kind of think it's fun since Mother Day, Mother's Day is just around the corner that, yes. that we think mm-hmm. of, of our Blessed Mother as being in that upper room with and them. there are other women as well, yes. as the text says. So. Yes, yes. So, um, you know, we know that they just, you know, they, uh, of course, they had seen amazing things, but they, they went through... Um, having Christ die on the cross. Uh, they were certainly... Yeah, trauma, worried. trauma, grief, loss. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, worried for their own lives, I'm sure. Um, Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so again, we talked last month um, on the show about about fear. And you certainly would have found his disciples uh, dealing with a fair measure of fear um, as they were together in the upper room. So... But one of the things that I thought was interesting to reflect on was the way that Jesus prepared them, actually, ahead of time for that. Um, and we we don't tend to think of that so much. I, I like there's, I'm going to read to you a passage from Luke 24, um, verse starting with verse 45. It said, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So that led to their time of waiting, which isn't always... Isn't always the easiest thing to do, is it, Father Ed? <laughs> it it isn't. You know, I um, I, I was thinking of this Jesuit uh, community I was in. There was a, a TV that you would turn on, and uh, it would take like three seconds between. Then, <laughs> but there would be a sign which would say, "Thank you for your patience." Now, for three seconds. I mean, I think we can be that patient, but but we are impatient. You yes, know, and uh, we want. Uh, the Holy Spirit to act when we want the Holy Spirit to act, but we we do have to wait and pray, and and that's not easy to do because we're anxious to to get moving and to act. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We are, and you know, part of what we're talking about today is learning to be a human um, being, not just a human doing. You know, yeah. so yeah. so that um, yes. that waiting in in quiet prayerfulness is so very, very crucial, I think. And it's something that all of us probably can work on getting a little bit more of in our lives altogether. So, um, again, I was looking at some of the scriptures around the waiting and um, from Acts, Acts 1. It was talking about the uh, Jesus' ascension it, and... They had all, it said, when they had gathered together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He answered them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has established by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, and that's the moment that he was taken uh, up from yeah, them. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's striking there in that passage that you read. Their expectations are, are too small in a sense. They want the Lord to have a political project to restore the kingdom of Israel, you know, the kingdom of David. Yes. But the Lord has bigger fish to fry, so to speak. Uh, exactly. Oh, and they still don't quite get it. What his that he has a more universal. You know, certainly he came to you know to to reform uh, Judaism and for the people of the covenant. You know, as Paul reminds us, they're the first to receive the uh, promises and all the rest. So yeah, uh, yeah, and even if the disciples, the ones who were closest to him didn't get it. It's not a surprise right. that so many other right. people yeah. could not accept Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. But but I I just love that reassurance he gives them right before he ascends. You know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I loved it. I, Father Ed, I don't know if I told you, I actually got to go to a place in Spain that's called Finisterre, which actually means the ends of the earth. It was oh, the ends of the earth. In I, I did the pilgrimage. Yeah, the I haven't Camino. heard that, yeah. yeah, and I actually was led to go out to this uh-huh. this furthest point of land in Spain. Got to got to stay in a lighthouse out there for. Is that like near Gibraltar or? Oh uh, no no right. it's it's in a you know different part but oh, it's see. but okay. it, it you know in in those times it was mm-hmm. the ends of the yeah. earth so I hadn't heard of it frankly so <laughs> yeah yeah no no the the Finisterre yeah. that name actually in okay. Spanish means ends of the earth so I see. Uh, okay. yeah so so in in, in their time they uh-huh. they might have gone to Finisterre yeah. Yeah. in their in their <laughs> missionary work. Um, Anyway, so I think it's important, too, as I, I reread those words, um, that we'll be witnesses. That Those are words for us today, too. You know, Jesus, um, Jesus enjoins us to receive that power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. The Holy Spirit, we're lucky, stays with us. We don't lose the Holy Spirit like in the mm-hmm. Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are so very blessed. And I think Two, it's really good to remember that Jesus said to us that greater things we would do, um, you know, because he was going to the Father and yes. sending the Spirit yes. to us. So, of course, we are very, very blessed indeed to live in these times. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's astounding because, you know, we, in many ways we like to have the physical Jesus with us as he was and walked the earth. But uh, it's better if I go. And the Holy Spirit actually can be in more more places than he can as a physical, you know, so. Yes, yeah. Uh, so. But, but to do greater things in the Lord, that's that's a mouthful. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And, and for, I, I think we have to get rid of a little of our skepticism and, and believe that all things are possible absolutely, with absolutely, him. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. on, the, on that note, I think we're ready to go to break here. And we will pick it up with more things about uh, the upper room and moving into Ignatian prayer. I'm here with Father Ed Wett. We'll be back soon. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hi, this is Kathleen Kavorik, and I'm here with Father Ed Witt at Terra Santa Retreat Center in beautiful Rapid City, South Dakota, and we're having a gorgeous day here today. kind of hate being inside. But I'm sitting here looking outside at that beautiful sun. Trees are in bloom. Uh, wish you all were here in the Black Hills with us. But you've got the next best thing. We're on radio together. So we were just talking um, a little bit about that time of waiting the disciples had in the upper room. And so we're going to continue talking about that. And we're going to move into, um, you know, we know that the Holy Spirit descended on them and those tongues of fire and again continue to use your imaginations that's that's hard one to imagine uh, but pretty powerful experience and then I thought it'd be fun for us to talk a little bit about um, how they moved out in power and boldness um, very courageously after receiving that receiving the Holy Spirit in that way and I think it's fun to even reflect because They had walked with Jesus for those three years, and there were a lot of wonders, healings, um, even miracles that they were involved in, or or by Jesus' side, as he did some of that. But we know they went out two by two, and there were amazing things that um, they did in the name of God. Yeah, Yeah, it's striking that I think after the transfiguration, when they came down from the mountain, there was a commotion and... 
uh, someone came up to Jesus, you know, your disciples were unable to drive out this demon, you know. And then after the descent of the Holy Spirit, after which they've been praying and waiting, then they seem to have that power to drive out these demons and to cure and to heal. Yes. And Uh, and I think, too, that many, you know, many of our listeners probably have been disciples walk with Jesus and yet maybe haven't experienced some people that more of the Holy Spirit. So it's, you know, it's just, it's kind of fun to think about. Um, I think that for some, that there is more that is available in that sense. And and we all have, I'm not going to get into it today, but we all have different obstacles and blocks. And, you know, you actually have to choose to be in the upper room and to spend that time and to and to be obedient. But we're going to kind of move into talking about what happened after after the Holy Spirit. So, Father Ed, you were talking the other day about that amazing first speech that Peter did. Yeah, yes. Uh, you use the word boldness. Yes. And that is a key word, you know, how do we approach the gospel and he told the truth, and he said, you know, and this is very, maybe would have been hard to hear, and it was, because it, it says they were cut to their hearts, right, cut to the core. See, you killed the author of life. Wow. Yes. That's the most serious sin, I think, that you can commit. And yet he makes excuses for them. He says, you didn't really know what you were doing. Uh-huh. In the spirit of Jesus, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Doing, yes. And instead of just condemning, he offered the possibility of repentance and conversion and baptism, which 3,000 people apparently <laughs> took that opportunity. Yes, yes, right away. <laughs> we will be so successful in our preaching. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It, so. Well, and it is so, again, as we get into our imaginations, imagining people from all nations that were gathered there yeah. at that time. Yes. I mean, the Lord chose the perfect time right. for that to occur. Well, and the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy that all, all nations would yes. receive the Spirit. Yes, and so... And the Lord would pour down His Spirit upon all, not just... Right. So powerful use of, of speaking in tongues, and remember they thought that the people thought that the disciples were drunk. Yeah. yeah. You know, but... Re- reminds me of the story of, of Hannah in the Old Testament yes. when she was praying for a child, and people thought she's drunk and, you know, and she's babbling, you know, but she was praying. Yes. Praying intensely. Yes, yes. Prayer was answered. <laughs> you know, it certainly was in Samuel, who uh, I I just loved his story, all the things yeah, that he yeah. did, and and such a powerful experience of him as a young boy, you know, yeah. finally saying, yeah. here I am, Lord, recognizing, right. you know, like you alluded to the three times. And, uh, yeah, and she, when she got, when he was born, she left him in the temple, and uh, the temple is very important in Luke in Acts, you know, because the the Gospel of Luke begins in the temple with Simeon and Anna, and it, it ends in the temple, and it begins with the Christian, well, the Jewish Christians, they didn't see a line between Judaism and Christianity, it was all one, you know, they didn't have that sharp distinction till later, yes. so you find them praying in the temple area, yes. going up, so... Which again? They're still Jewish people. 
Uh, <laughs> right, and yeah. in which was the perfect setting because there would be lots of people there often to see the healings or miracles mm-hmm. that occurred. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so so we know they were just drunk in the spirit at 9 o'clock in the morning. They weren't drunk. Um, and, and again, it's just amazing to think about um, Peter's boldness in that speech. And, yeah. and the many miracles, healings, um, conversions that yes. continued to follow yes. in the early church. It was pretty incredible. I think about the healing of the man by Gate Beautiful by Peter, I think it was. Yeah. And someone remarked once when I was studying that scripture that Jesus must have walked by Gate Beautiful many times. And yet, again, there was a time that the Lord ordained for that man's healing. And, you know, it yeah. was, it was um, and again, because so many walked by that gate, that yeah. man was a huge witness. Yeah. And Peter made it very clear. He says, it's not by our power that this happens. Yes. You know didn't let it go to his head <laughs> boy which is which is a really really yeah. good caution absolutely it, it truly is that that yeah that caution faith healers be beware <laughs> yes yes and and the ones that i truly the ones that have that holy spirit gift of healing in that special way i'm always so much more impressed mm-hmm. with the ones who say this is not me this is the Lord. And, right. and with all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we've got to be clear about that. Yes. I mean, we are a vessel. We do partner with the Lord. It, that right. is important. Right. And sometimes, too, I think I just had a conversation yesterday with someone. Um, sometimes I think people think we have to be perfect to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's very far from the truth. I mean, we, yeah. we want to always yeah. be refining, moving closer to the Lord. But, boy, he uses a bunch of cracked vessels, I think, along the way. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, some of the other things that really amazed me in the early church, for some reason I really liked the story of, of uh, Philip and the eunuch. Uh, that that one. Well, that's a wonderful story, isn't it? Yeah, it's terrific. We Don't just you heard love that, that the other day? Yeah, yeah oh, and, I do. You know, there the eunuch is, you know, praying and seeking, and yeah. the Lord transports Philip. I'm, I'm guessing, right. you know, from the sounds of it. Yeah. And it's significant. He's from Ethiopia. He's a foreigner. He's a Gentile, and he comes to Jerusalem. You know, he's what we call a God fearer. The Gentiles who were attracted to. Judaism, I suppose, because it was to be a light to the nations. So he was coming back from Jerusalem, and uh, the Holy Spirit had uh, plans for him and for Philip in the passage. And they responded to that. Get up and go. Get up and go. We've got a constant refrain, you know. You know, and and important for all of us when we get those Mm -hmm. nudges. Yeah, trust, yeah. trust them. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes, and I think pick the, up a phone, call someone who's hurting, or you know. Exactly. You I, think I, of someone from your something past. Something simple. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to go to <laughs> Gaza. You know. <laughs> like. You know, it it is simple, and yeah. sometimes I think those small things, when the spirit is moving us, are truly miraculous. Yes. You know, you you don't know when that might be life saving right. in a certain sense yeah. for someone. Um, that's yes. I I love those small things, and we need to notice those small things. I think mm-hmm. the Lord does, uh, and not disdain those. Mm-hmm. 
We talk about boldness. The other dimension of boldness is how Peter and uh, Philip took the Old Testament and interpreted that to be referring to Jesus. You know. Yes. And that isn't always so obvious, you know. But our through the Holy Spirit, we see. Oh, yeah, this is referring to Jesus, you know. Uh, and the eunuch asks this passage about Isaiah, or is it about someone else? They who would be this suffering servant or lamb of the house yeah. of praise. But so, I, Christians were very bold in interpreting the Old Testament, and we have to be careful in something because if he using the scripture as a proof text, you know, uh-huh. we're leery of that rightly. But on the other hand, the really preachers were not afraid to say, well, this is referring to Jesus. Yeah, know? yeah. You know, so, and I actually just never thought of that, is that yeah. that's how light was shown on that. Yeah. That's that's really, that's very cool. It's very cool. You know, and during that time, too, I think that um, the Lord was moving so powerfully. I think about that experience of Peter on the rooftop and all those animals coming down on a sheet. Oh, and yeah, the Lord yeah. says, take and eat. And Peter's like, oh my gosh, no, they're unclean, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and yet he uses that. The next thing you know, um, he's hearing from Cornelius's household. And he goes yeah. and Cornelius, the Gentile, immediately receives that fullness yeah. of the Holy Spirit. It was out of the box for Peter. Yes. Well, the importance of table fellowship, being able to eat, eat together, you know, that can be a very bonding and... Yes, a divisive thing. So, and right. if you're limited in what you can eat, that immediately sets up a barrier. So, yes. But he was a good Jewish person. He was, you know, um, concerned that he would keep the Jewish food laws and all that. So, right, right. So, yeah, it was neat yeah. how the Lord opened that up. And then we see next, really, the disciples, you know, for about the first five years, they stayed around Jerusalem and in that region, and then the missionary work began. Yes, yes. So, you know, you look at um, Paul's very extensive missionary journeys and all the people that he touched. Um, I think about um, Thomas in India, mm-hmm. um, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. So, so um, you know, that that word of the Lord, the, the new way, spread. Yes. Spread to uh, right. most parts of the known world at that time. You know, the process began. And now we have the Internet and things like that that uh, can get to more and more people. So interesting times. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah. So stay with us. We will be back in just a bit and we'll move into talking about the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius as a sort of upper room experience. Kathleen Kaborik here with Father Ed Witt and we'll be back with you shortly. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
If you're hearing this, that means you're a Real Presence Radio listener, and we have a message for you. May 11th through May 13th, we'll be gathering for three full days of live local content. Hear from some of your favorite hosts and guests as they help RPR raise funds during our spring live drive. Let us hear from you May 11th through the 13th, and let everyone know that you love your family of faith and hope. You can find all the details, including how to give online, at realpresenceradio.com slash live dash drive. Have you ever known someone who has taken their own life? 50% of Americans have. I'm Father Chris Alar. For years, professionals have called the tragedy of suicide an epidemic, but we believe it has become a pandemic because more people in the world take their own life than die by all the wars or homicides combined. Do you know that there are more veterans who have killed themselves than were killed in the Vietnam War? And these numbers keep increasing, especially among the youth. And society doesn't help. Through misguided ways, such as shows like 13 Reasons Why, suicide has become glorified in our society. But there is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hi, this is Kathleen Kavorik, and I'm here today with Father Ed Witt. And for those of you who are just joining us now, we have been talking about upper room experiences as we have this time of awaiting Pentecost. Um, We're going to move into the second half, talking a little bit about the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius as a sort of upper room experience. Um, And Father Ed is a Jesuit, so he's the perfect one to come and talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about this. I thought we'd start in with talking about a little bit, for those of you who may not be as familiar with St. Ignatius, a little bit about who he was. And um, so, Father Ed. (laughs) Okay. Well, St. Ignatius was a uh, Spaniard of the uh, 16th century, roughly. And... uh, I guess he would say he was from minor nobility. He lost his mother when he was when uh, he was pretty young. Uh, he, uh, we should, should, I should say, he, he uh, sowed a few wild oats <laughs> before his conversion. You know, and he was a typical person of his time. You know, he had fantasies about uh, women. He was a, and he 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 fought. Uh, for Spain, you know, against France and all all comers, and a key moment in his life was when he was uh, struck in the leg by a cannonball, and uh, was uh, laid up. And you know, frequently as happens when you're 
when you are sick, uh, laid up, you have time to reflect. And he started to notice the movements within him. And he was looking for something to read, you know, and they uh, uh, didn't have uh, uh, the kinds of things that he would ordinarily read. But so he read The Life of Christ and The Lives of the Saints. And he started thinking, well, now what if I could do what, what St. Francis did or St. Dominic? Uh, so he started having dreams of what he might do. And he noticed the, the movements within him, what left, what left him consoled what gave him desolation and dryness. And he started to write those things down uh, in a a, a little journal for for the spiritual exercises. Now, it's important he had profound experiences uh, in his life, and he did pilgrimages and uh, what have you. And he was a a lay person when he had these experiences. He wasn't an ordained priest. He had no idea that he would be a priest or, you know, found a religious order. That was, it was more, he was looking at his own life. At one point, he was, he was very scrupulous, and he was at the point of suicide. Uh, and he finally got over his scrupulosity. And and I guess that would be a first-week experience where he said, yeah, I'm a sinner. That's not the end of the story. I'm a love sinner. I'm a forgiven yes. sinner. Yes. So, Father Ed, would you explain the weeks that you just referred yeah, to to we, our weeks, listeners? It's not necessarily what we think as you know, like a seven week. seven days. Yes, but it's uh, so. There's four basic weeks of the spiritual exercise. The first is a reflection on sin, which we consider the sin of the angels, the sin of Adam and Eve, and how one sin has a terrible effect on the human race. And then you reflect on your your own sins, and you might at yes. that point do a general confession, uh, and it ends with you contemplating the Lord on the cross. You know, what and you start reflecting: What have I done for Christ? What am I doing for Christ? What will I do for Christ? So that's basically the first week, you know, you're looking at sin. Global, globally, universally, and personally. Yes, you know, Father Ed, I sometimes start some people that I've done, um, I've done the exercises with, because I'm a spiritual director. I've sometimes started them out first with the love of God. And that's a little bit what they did um, when I was in Spokane and did the spiritual exercises in everyday life. Because some people aren't very good at accessing God's love. And so if you, you know, again, it's just one way of going about it. If if they can feel God's love first, then as they enter into that knowing themselves Mm -hmm. as a love sinner they're less likely to get into scrupulosity and those kinds of things, well, I think. Yeah, and, and, and at the end of the spiritual exercise is the contemplation on attaining God's love. Yes. Um, in which we see how God is laboring in all of creation. And so that's kind of the capstone of the exercises. Right. But, so the first week is, you know, sin, and, uh, and then second week... Um, contemplated the mysteries of the life of Christ, you know, begin with the incarnation. And then there's specialized kind of um, uh, exercises that Ignatius has us consider, and we'll go into all those. But, but like, for instance, the uh, the two standards, you know. Yes. Um, uh, who, who do we stand with? With the Lord and his way of doing things? You know. Yes. Poverty, humiliation, death on the cross, or 
pride, riches, and honor is the other banner. So right, which is not the Lord. Right. Yes, yeah. yes. So second is you know you're you're accompanying the Lord in His ministry and His in His life here, and then third week is um, contemplating His passion, crucifixion, and finally the fourth week resurrection. And then, yes. You know, yeah, yeah, which is the yeah. season that we're so, in right now. And the goal really is to um, foster freedom, you know, in decision-making, which will do what, what, what does God want? What is for, what's for his greater honor and glory in my decisions? Yeah. And it can also help, you know, when you need to make a vocation decision, you know, to free you up to be ready to to make a choice. So. so one of the things that's often done when people are trying to make those bigger decisions is a 30-day retreat. Right. Yeah, and, every Jesuit does that, uh, you know, when in, the, in the novitiate in their first year. Uh, or, yeah, in the, at the, toward the end of the first year. So for listeners that might not be... Um, might not know what a thirty day what a thirty day retreat is. What what is that like, Father Ed? Can you kind of step us through? Well, I, I thought you know because you'd be so busy praying that you wouldn't want to eat, eat a lot. But I, <laughs> not the case. I put on a few pounds, you know. Uh, you know, it, it's if you haven't if you're not used to solitude and self reflection. It's pretty challenging, you know, yes. and just the the silence and uh, and having to look, to look at things you haven't looked at before, perhaps. Uh, and but we, you know, the way we do it, there's break days, you know, so you don't you get a little like we went to the Minnesota Zoo and we watched <laughs> the Japanese macaques uh, swing around and. That was fun. So you know, we <laughs> got, got a little back. laughter in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, right. and you are talking every day with a spiritual director. Oh yes, you have yes. a director. Yes, yeah. so you do get to talk a little bit. Yeah, or or mass every day and some of the it's retreats I've been Eucharist, in. Eucharist, absolutely yes. daily Eucharist. And and it's amazing when you're not talking most of the day how how awesome an experience then that joining as community with mass can be. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we get a little bit giddy, you know, too, and. There was one, uh, everybody just broke up laughing because it was a story about Nebuchadnezzar and his knees were knocking. <laughs> the way the Jesuit the novice read it, it was, it was just broke everybody up. So, so there's some tension that yes. needs to be released. Yes, tension, yeah, so, yeah, from the silence. And yet there is a really beautiful place that yeah. one can go to in See, that silence also. You're always there? wondering, too, now, how did the Cubs do today? Or yeah, what, what, <laughs> yeah I bet score? you were. <laughs> but now, you know, this day and age, you know, it, there's not an absolute kind of embargo on, you know, you can pick up a newspaper in a Jesuit community if you want. Yeah. That, that's kind of probably better than just wondering what's happening. And you got, you know, now in this day and age, you got phones, you know, so you know. Yes, yes, it's, it's hard you to. You know what's going on everywhere at all times. <laughs> you, you kind of people are encouraged to have a little bit of a fast from their phone during Absolutely. those times. Yeah, really, yes. yeah, it's important. But, you know, there are, are a lot of apps where a lot of people's spiritual practices are actually yes. on their phones yeah. now. There's a great app. I was telling you about this the other yes. day. Uh, 
by a Southern Province Jesuit, and you can get it the, on the examen. Yes. Put that right on your phone. He's got like 25 different kinds of... And I, I just started using that, and I'm really enjoying it. That it's was great, a great, isn't it? Yes, oh, it was wonderful. a great, yeah, great yeah, tip. Yeah. Except that I started out with one of the most difficult ones. They said, I just don't oh, write okay, in. Yeah. <laughs> That's that great. seems to fit you. <laughs> <laughs> Make it difficult. So 30-day retreats are just a, a, you know, an amazing possibility, but yeah. you know, one that a lot of people cannot right because they they're working you know and they to go to a retreat house it's expensive you know yes we're we're very fortunate as religious you know our community pays for it and so we do as jesuits we do a 30-day retreat in the divisiate and then we do a second 30-day retreat during a period of our training called tertianship before we're getting ready to do take our final vows Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that so that would be powerful. I did mine in uh, Om- Omaha, Nebraska. Did you? Did yes. you um, at their retreat center? Not the one in not, Iowa. No, this was at. Um, no, it's no longer uh, Jesuit community. This is a place called Campion House, where oh, yeah. Jesuits used to study the humanities at Creighton. Yeah, but that's. Uh, I think the university's taken that over for other for offices. Other things, yeah. Oh. Well. Um, Hang on, stay with us here, hang on, and we will be back shortly, and we'll, I'll talk about a little bit about the spiritual exercises in everyday life, which is an option um, that gives you, it's kind of similar, it's like the 30-day retreat stretched out into nine months, so yeah. we'll yeah. talk for a few minutes Good. about that when we get back from our break, so stay with us here on Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. This summer, embark upon a journey with Monsignor Richter, Monsignor Shea, and Father Sattler to deepen your connection with Jesus Christ. As part of the University of Mary Certificate in Prayer and Spiritual Direction, these courses will equip you to receive a life of grace and build a foundation for leading yourself and others deeper into a relationship with the Triune God. Join us Tuesday and Thursday evenings starting May 10th. Learn more at umary.edu slash prayer. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio. One of my greatest blessings in this ministry is getting to know you, our listeners, and to see firsthand the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We continually hear recurring comments about how Real Presence Radio is responsible for conversions, reversions back to the faith, and some comment on how listening to Real Presence Radio has saved their marriage. Our listeners have shared with us time and time again that the effect Real Presence Radio has had in their lives is more profound than we will ever know. Hearing comments like this makes us proud of our ministry and our partnership with you. As we enter into this live drive, I invite you to reflect on the value and impact Real Presence Radio has made in your life, and please consider supporting Real Presence Radio with a gift that will give you joy. May God bless you and your loved ones, and please know of our continued prayers for you. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. In addition to eye exams for children and adults, Lumen Vision provides custom contact lens services for patients with keratoconus, 
severe dry eyes, and hard-to-fit prescriptions. These specialty contact lenses can be made for single vision, astigmatism, and multifocal prescriptions. For more information about Lumen Vision's contact lens services, our website is www.lumen.vision. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. This is Kathleen Kavorik, and I'm here today with Father Ed Witt. And we're having a great discussion today about upper room experiences. And we're moving in to talk about um, the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius as a sort of upper room experience. Father Ed was just talking about 30-day retreats. And the one hard thing about 30-day retreats he mentioned was that um, they can be expensive. And I know because I've checked into them over the years. And I laugh because I either have time and not enough money or or, <laughs> or vice versa. So, um, so 30 days can be difficult uh, for people. So... What was created was called the 19th Annotation, or the Spiritual Exercises in Everyday Life. And that's a program that, as I did it in Spokane, Washington, when I lived there, it was a program that was done over a nine-month period of time. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes through the four weeks that Father Ed talked about. We did week one kind of as... um, you know, getting into the love of God and then knowing yourself as a love sinner. In week two, as you get closer to Jesus in, in the walk of his life, there's also an element of that, of the call of Christ the King to each of us. And then I think week three can be difficult because it is walking with the Lord, with the cross of Jesus, his passion and death. Um, it's one that uh, a good friend of mine who's been a director in the program for years, she says she's still working through week three. And then in week four, we have resurrection. And like Father Ed and I were talking about the other day, um, we're adding Pentecost to that that list of week four. And since we're getting ready to celebrate Mother's Day, um, St. Ignatius has a, a special contemplation um, seemed fitting that when the Lord rose that the certainly he descended among the dead but the first person you would expect that he might visit would be his mother yes and so St. Ignatius even though it's not uh, based on scripture as such he's yes. one of those things where well it seems kind of fitting you know and I think the, the people would think that this would make make sense you know that our, our spiritual sense and so there's a special appearance to the to the Blessed Mother, in fact the first, and I would maybe presume even Joseph well, would you know would have been in that picture on, in his on his mind too. Yes, well. yes, oh. yeah, and that's a it's a beautiful contemplation. It I truly think so. Is. Yes, yeah, yeah. Re, a reuniting of a family, you know. Yes, yes, because yeah. Christ was. Truly human as well as truly divine. Absolutely. You know, hard, Absolutely. hard for us to hold that and understand yeah. that for sure, but certainly the truth. Um, back to spiritual exercises in everyday life. Like I said, it was a nine-month program, 
And what we did is we met with a spiritual director every one to two weeks. So we had intense spiritual direction. And then we met as a large group once a month. Mm -hmm. And in those once a month gatherings, they'd be half day kind of little mini retreats. Um, all the leaders of the group would um, do this just amazing, um, deep contemplation. They would set the environment, um, and we would go deeply into that particular focus of the week. We would have mass. We would have um, contemplations. We would have quiet time. And then we had a small group that we were able to share with about Mm -hmm. our experiences Mm -hmm. of what had happened in the last month and our experiences of whatever the Mm -hmm. focus of that week was. So it was really an incredibly beautiful format where um, you just had every level. You had that one-on-one. What I didn't say is an hour day of contemplative prayer was what was required. And Mm -hmm. um, it it wasn't a 20-minute sort of experience. And I remember early on um, in my experience, it took a while to get to that point where I could do an hour a day. And, and again, part of the process was them helping mm-hmm. us with that and learning. And, and they provided many different ways of getting into contemplative prayer, not just a single way. So that yeah. was helpful to me. Yeah, I've always envied those who seem to have a really rich imagination, you know, and I, my prayer I, I just, just doesn't happen so often that, you know, these vivid... yes. Imaginative experiences. I tend to be more, I don't know, maybe cerebral and approach the, the scripture and in a so, more intellectual, but, yeah, sort yeah, of way, so, yeah. But yeah, but so you need, I need to get down here in the heart more, I suppose. But uh, it's always good to connect <laughs> head and heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Right. But but in this process of doing the spiritual exercises in everyday life, which they just called seal. So I'll refer to it as seal. They really helped us, you know, because again, Mm. like Father Ed, like you said, we all have, we're all very different people. And yeah, and that's, Ignatius really emphasized that the Lord deals personally and directly with each individual. And um, that that was pretty, pretty threatening concept. He was saying Ignatius ran to follow the Inquisition, you know, that, you know, that, that people were, were getting untethered from authority, and just, it was just them and the Holy Spirit. That that can be scary for certain people. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, it was a it was really an amazing experience for me. I'm very grateful for and that did, time. Did, you, in did they have you do a general examination of conscience where you looked at your entire life? Or they actually that, did not do that, oh. and I think that that is beautiful. I mean, they did yeah. it on a smaller level, but I, I love that. Someone yeah. was just talking to me about that the other day, and I think I it's think, part of this core at core. If yes, I'm not it mistaken. is. I know That's, people have come in and. Yes, that's who I was talking yeah, about. Locally, yeah. we do a, a program that's called Core at Core, which kind of introduces people to the mm-hmm. exercises. Mm-hmm. And if I'm remembering right, I think 20 minutes a day of uh, contemplative prayer is required and step them through the the exercises overall. And, and I think that is really a wonderful part to do that very big overview of your, of your life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, no, that would... Maybe I, I probably need to sit down and do that. I think maybe I'm being called to that. <laughs> You're challenging me, Father Ed. 
<laughs> so um, anyway, it, um, it is, is another wonderful way of drawing closer to the Lord. And I would have to say, in my spiritual life, I thought I was pretty tuned in before I did the exercises. I mean, does that sound prideful or whatever? But I had done, I had done some really extensive Bible studies for about probably seven years and, you know, but where I went to in that quiet prayer time with the Lord was something that was exponential in my personal mm. life. So, um, again, I, I will just always mm. cherish that time. And then mm-hmm. I was lucky. I went on to go to Missoula next where I, um, I did some study to become a spiritual director or did their mentoring mm-hmm. process with that, which was wonderful. So I actually did the exercises a, a several years in a row there which was neat, which was really wonderful. So um, I think, too, just to let our listeners know, there are some online programs with with the spiritual exercise. Creighton University yeah, has one. Sure. A lot, there's so many Jesuit, you know, retreat houses and we, you know, various websites that you, you know. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's well, no shortage of opportunities uh, online for... Even you know, Creighton is a wonderful. They do daily reflections. Yes, I don't know if you've seen that. I have. You know, faculty yeah. members, Jesuits, and lay people, and it's wonderful. You know. Yeah, yeah, and they they do have the exercises right. totally online, and I have I have directed people that, and I've used that mm. as a kind of a jumping off point mm. along with other oh, materials good. that I've had. Yeah. So that works well. Um, Another thing that we haven't talked about is just silent retreats in general. Um, I I know that I have done five-day silent retreats and eight-day silent Mm -hmm, retreats, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, those are available in our area. I know it's Sioux Spiritual Center that Carol Brown gets some silent retreats Mm -hmm. going. And um, so, again, check in your local area to see if that – and if you have not done a silent retreat, like doing a two- or three-day one is a great way to start, I think. Yeah, you don't have to just dive in completely. Um, Another really good thing to do is having a little bit of mini prayer every day. And, Father, you you talked about it earlier, doing the examine. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, examination of consciousness. And, you know, you invoke the Holy Spirit to enlighten you, to see what's going on in your... Well, you do it twice a day, ideally, once at the middle of the, of the day, at noon perhaps, and then uh, before you go to bed. And you invoke the Holy Spirit. You start with gratitude. What are the gifts that God has given me today? Things we take for granted, you know, being able just to get out, get out of bed and stand on our own two feet and dress ourselves, you know, in a reasonable amount of time. You know, some days. Are, you know, being able, being able to hear, to see, whatever yes. it is, you know, that we take for granted. So it's gratitude. And then how is the Lord speaking to me in the events and people and, and in my own feelings? So yes. it's consciousness of what God is doing. And then secondarily, well, how have I failed? How have I sinned? Yes. It used to be the focus was on being right, listing off our sins, you know, how we yes, failed. Yes. But that's... They broaden the examination of consciousness. Yeah. Um, so I have a. That's group. a good little tool. It really helps it you is. get attuned to 
to God in a way, uh, for me, that often ordinary prayer doesn't do, but because I'm looking at concrete experiences. So, Father, as we end here, could you say a quick prayer for us, a quick blessing? Yes. Lord, I ask you especially to bless all mothers, grandmothers, as your people wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. May they be patient and and willing to go where the 